So, you think you want to work in factual TV. So did we. And here we are, making a podcast all about the different roles in creating television. Maybe you're just starting out, or hoping to move up the career ladder. And I grafted it because I just knew that that's what I wanted more than anything. I'm Lisa Fairbank. And I'm Julie Heathcote. The voice of We're ideas people. And we've got a lot, a huge amount of experience producing award-winning TV shows. Might not be realistic, it might not hit you're that channel. You're always so keen on that. Join us as we get the inside scoop on the reality of working in television. Anyone would say there's no glamour. And stay tuned to the end of each episode where we ask our guests for their five top tips for career success. So, Harry, tip number four. (laughs) (laughs) I tried. I really tried. I'm sorry. This podcast episode is going to be about the world of development. Yup. Without development, there are no ideas being pitched and no work coming in. So we're going to chat to a master development producer, the fabulous Harry Smythe, a man who has worked with ideas for all the big UK broadcasters. How development works is not an area of TV much discussed, so this is going to be interesting. Indeed. Harry, welcome to our podcast room. It feels strange welcoming Harry because he does actually just work downstairs with us. Yeah. <laughs> we've searched high upstairs. and low <laughs> for a top development producer. And then we found Harry. He yeah. stumbled upon <laughs> by the kitchen. <laughs> so would you like to come this way? Harry, yes, awesome uh, development producer who's worked with us on and off over a number of years. Could you kick yeah. off for us? by telling everybody what is the role of a development producer. Yeah, no, it's definitely one of those jobs that if you asked my uh, friends and family what I do, they would scratch their heads and give you some very strange random answer. Um, I think the probably the long and short of it is uh, a development producer is responsible for taking ideas and making them such that they actually can be made. So, you know, whether it's an idea that you've had or your bosses have had or someone at the company's had, it is converting that into an actual sellable concept. It's, you know, what turns an idea into an actual show or a program or a documentary, whatever it might be. Um, you know, pitching it, getting it, uh, so basically getting it commissioned, yeah, turning it from, yeah, an idea into a real thing. Love it. And actually, um, what I was thinking is interesting within that is the the process then of taking something, because people often think they've got great ideas, they've got a great idea for a TV show. How many times do we hear that? So taking it from that to a concept that is commissionable mm. by a broadcaster, just give us a sense of what what you're looking at, how you're doing that. So development really is, you can, you know, you're starting with something that might be a sentence, a paragraph, a nebulous thought, and it is firstly researching that to the point that you have I would maybe PhD is a little bit too uh, too uh, hardcore, but an MA level understanding. I would say MA level understanding. Mm, yeah. So firstly, yeah, you know, making sure that you know exactly what you're talking about uh, and then figuring out, you know, how do you, how can you see this idea on the screen? So what what makes it a TV show or a documentary and not just an idea? So actually developing it so it has a narrative, you know, so putting putting together the actual story. And then also, you know, who are the people that tell that story and how does it get told? So, you know, the research will also involve getting the contributors, getting access to people and places, uh, trying to put it all together. So it's basically the film or the series made on paper. So it actually is a real thing. So when somebody reads it or they listen to you pitch it, they can see the piece in their head. So then it really, the, the whole pitching process comes in, you know, and that's a combination of, 
uh, it being written down and verbal, depending on which avenue you're, you're taking, or you know, or both. Then it goes into production, and that's where theoretically the development producer or the development phase stops. And it's fun when it gets when you get a yes, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's the best because you put so much time and effort and thought into these things, and I think it's almost a little bit like a magic trick where you've conjured something that didn't exist into existence. And I think that's sort of what I always feel like the magic of TV is, is, you know, we, we, we get to have these conversations about these things that exist only in our head. And when things go well, that thing that actually exists. It's like being God. It's like being a television <laughs> God, Harry. He is a TV, he is a TV God. And how did you get started, Harry, in all of this? I was doing an MA in creative writing because I wanted to be really unemployable. And um, <laughs> I had a, a quite serious accident that meant I had to stop studying. And then I was, while I was recovering, I was sort of like, oh, do I, what am I doing? Do I actually even want to finish this course when I get to go back to it next year or whatever? And while that was happening, a friend of mine who was trying to get into the industry as well and just being a runner in different places said, oh, you know, you, you want to write and you have all these ideas. Uh, this company that I'm uh, running for they, uh, I just heard that they can advertise for somebody to be basically an assistant, a researcher, and that you know the prerequisite is that it's somebody that has to know how to write. So I, on a wing and a prayer, just sent in uh, a CV, which didn't have much on it, and some writing samples. And luckily, they asked me to come in for an interview, and and I started working there, and then very quickly sort of got thrown in the deep end. Actually, I'm going to interject yes. there and say what that is a brilliant example of is something that we love which is just taking a punt yeah because we we've talked a lot about getting your foot in the door and that first opportunity and they don't always come in the ways you expect and also sometimes you just have to go for something that seems utterly random and highly unlikely which is maybe what you did um, and it won't always play out. Yeah, I mean, I had no idea I could do any of this stuff before I did it. So I think it's exactly that. It's a punt. You know, I, I had vague ideas that, oh, you know, I want to do something with writing and I want to do X, Y, Z. None of it that was none of it was very well formed in my head. And it was a punt. You know, I was dropped in the deep end. And like I said, I had to sort of figure out how to do it while I was doing it. So it is a complete like, I'm just going to take a chance. And I think if I'd sat and thought about it and gone, I have no idea what this job involves. I wouldn't have done it. But what you did do there, you must, I'm guessing, have sussed quite quickly what the the needs and wants were what of the production, the editorial teams that were going to make shows. Absolutely. I think there's probably two reasons that that happened or that I did have some initiative in, in, in that moment. Um, one of them was that I had, because I had absolutely, absolutely no idea how any of it worked, I felt frustrated. I felt like, well, how am I ever going to learn how to do any of this stuff if no one's teaching me it? And I, and I felt like academia had not given me that. So part of the initiative to take the punt was there is no other way that, that nobody's going to come and knock on the door and say, do you want an opportunity and we'll help you out? I very quickly realized that the world doesn't work that way. And I felt like I hadn't really had any mentors or peers or people that sort of took me under their wing and explained it. So I was like, well, I'm just going to have to run in and see what happens and hopefully it'll be okay and I'll figure it out. The other side of it's probably being a people pleaser, I suppose. And I think that's also really important in, in terms of when you do get your first gig and you get your first opportunity, I think figuring out how it all works is also making sure that you've got relationships with the people around you and understanding what they want and how to make yourself useful. And I felt like 
you know, TV out of all the stuff that I've done in my life, that's probably the arena where that's the most relevant, where there's so many different things going on. When you first come in, it is a bit like, wow, this has got so many different facets to it. And the best way to learn is just by being curious and asking questions and making yourself kind of indispensable to people, I suppose. I guess the question that would be most likely asked is where do the ideas come from? Yeah, it's it's, re it's really varied. So, I mean, it depends obviously where you're working and what kind of, uh, what the remit is for what kind of ideas that company may or may not specialize in. But I think broadly speaking, it's probably a combination of being really, staying really clued up on what's going on in the world. So making sure that you have your finger on the pulse of what's happening in the news, what's happening on social media, even what's happening in, you know, what are you talking about with your friends when you go out? What, what are the things that, are, that people are interested in at in the moment? I think that's key. I think there's also just that, what's the deeper layer behind that? Like what, you know, what's going on beneath all those things? And what does that say about what people are interested in and, and why? Yeah, it's partly, for me, I think it's partly zeitgeist. I love a German word and that was what I would call it. And, and partly it's, um, yeah, being really open to the world. Mm. And I think actually that is one of the things that makes TV people really interesting is we are naturally really curious and really nosy and we want to know what people's stories are and we want to understand what people are talking about. And we do watch TV and read papers and read books and have conversations with people. And the ideas could come from any of those places. Mm. I guess... It's incredibly important in, in all our else, but particularly yours, is watching television and knowing what the channels are putting out. Yeah, it's such a simple thing, but it's so true. And it's one of those things that I think a lot of people, even a lot of development people, they, you know, they say like, oh, you know, my guilty, my secret is that I don't really watch TV. And I think that goes back to what we were saying before about ideas being easy. Like idea, ideas are easy and ideas are a currency that is not really worth that much in of itself. So I do think in terms of that whole, yeah, you need to be a curious person. You need to be a sponge for everything that's going on around you in the world. But you also need to have some sort of insight into the TV landscape and, you know, what are people responding to? And that will give you obviously an indication of what, therefore, the commissioners, the people who make the decisions of what goes on TV, are looking for more of or less of, or they do what they don't want. And I think that is, you know, there's also, like in any industry, it's got its own ecosystem as well right and you have to learn that too so yeah no I think that's that's massively important and I suppose as well to convince a commissioner to sign up to your idea you need reference points so to be able to use examples on their channel or somebody else's channel is really important isn't it as is actually when you're having those meetings is being able to talk about what they've commissioned before and properly watching it as opposed to pushing that you've watched everything they've, they've ever done but how important then is the relationships with commissioners well i would definitely say that as as important as the projects themselves and how good the ideas are how good the presentation is how good the pitches are i think the relationship is as important as all of that stuff sometimes more because i do think at the end of the day you are we talked about it being a magic trick you are asking somebody to, to give you money and trust and time to make something that doesn't exist, that only exists in your head and their head, and make it real. And that is a huge amount of trust that you're asking for, um, amongst other things. So I think that developing a relationship with somebody to, to get them to the point where they think that that's a good idea is really, really important. And talking about what you said, you know, going back to what you said before, also that idea of in any walk of life, if you are looking for somebody to do a job for you, and they come in, and it feels like they 
one enjoy their job they're really invested in it they know what they're talking about you've seen other stuff they've done they've clearly done their research about you and what you need you're going to feel a lot more confident so i do think that all of those things go into getting something commissioned being as much about the relationship you establish with those people as it's much about that as anything else i'd I'd say and is it not and this is going to sound a little negatively so i'm sorry um a bit soul destroying as a role because at least in production it's a real once you're in production it's it's a tangible real <laughs> real job where there's going to be an end game well there's an end game and there'll be a finished product and you have to remain enthusiastic and positive and motivated which you do harry even though often it's a no to mm. ideas so talk me through how you deal with that well, first I will say, yeah, no, my job isn't real because it does exist primarily in my head. So, um, <laughs> but uh, but when it's good, it goes from my head to the real world. So yeah, that's the distinction. Uh, this is actually going to tread on the toes a little bit of uh, one of my tips that we'll discuss later. But yes, I think one of the best pieces of advice anyone ever gave me was get used to hearing no 99% of the time. And I think that is so true. So I do think that you need a very thick skin because, like I just said, 99, if not more, percent of everything that you ever come up with and work on and think about, develop, research, won't get made. It doesn't matter how good you are, doesn't matter how big the company you're working for is, that is just the way it is. There's a limited number of slots, there's a limited amount of money out there, and that's it. But I do also think that what is quite fun about that conveyor belt aspect that some people might get depressed about where it's like, okay, that was no, next idea, is that it means that every day or every week or every month is different. And I do think it means that the ideas that would otherwise only exist in your head, actually, you get to do something with them. Even if it's briefly, even if it's for a week, a month, a year, sometimes two years, depending on how well it goes, you actually get to exercise that part of your brain constantly. And, you know, it's never the same. So I do think, going back to what we said before, if you're one of those curious, interested people who's just constantly like, well, even in my free time, I'm like, why am I, why have I gone down this rabbit hole and I'm now an expert in this random thing I've just found on the internet. If you're one of those people, then it, it sort of exercises that muscle a lot. So if you can sort of divorce yourself from the idea and not take it personally. Yeah, you have to not think of it as failure, don't you? But you just learn from it, right? And it's like, I guess creativity is that weird thing where, you know, yes, you're creative, but it's also a job and it's also a business. So failure is actually, well, okay, how do we fail better next time? He could be like a motivational speaker for people. And he does for us every day, Jules. <laughs> when we, when go, we are oh, banging our heads on the desk. No, Mike, oh. I don't want to do it anymore. Um, like, Come on, this is a really interesting <laughs> idea. Let's do this. And it is fun. But it is also gutting when you've worked on something for a really long time and you think it's edging towards being commissioned and then suddenly at the last minute it falls over. I, I often liken it to selling aeroplanes because it's like they're big ticket items. You're asking people to part with a lot of money and it takes a really long time to do the deal. You know, it's like you don't sell a lot. If, you, if you're in the aeroplane selling business, you don't sell a lot. We should move on now to our top five tips. Um, please tell us some speedings because it's all been terribly interesting. Um, tip number one, please, sir. The, 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 you know, developing a thick skin thing, I think, is if you don't already have one and you are trying to get into the industry, you need to probably start thinking about that pretty quickly. Because 
I will happily say that I know countless people who are much more talented than me who have left the industry because they couldn't deal with how hard it is to make something work. And the rejection is is just, it is heartbreaking, especially when it's projects that you care about and it's people that you care about, it, it's, it's heartbreaking. So I do think that being able to deal with that and having that mindset is absolutely integral, not just for something like development, but I think anything in TV. Because I mean, we all know TV is, things are constantly going wrong. You're constantly having to put out fires. So I do think that sort of thickness of skin is like absolutely paramount. Tip number two. Tip number two is as much as you possibly can be, be an all-rounder. I think that everybody probably has that dream of, oh, I want to do this very specific thing. And my experience of being in the TV industry has been the more of that stuff that you're able to get versed in and take in your stride or at least be able to flit in and out of, the better. Because I think all of that stuff is much more elastic and bleeds into each other much, much more than you realize before you start. So I think if, let's say you want to do development because you want to write and you want to pitch, if you think that you're never, ever going to get involved in anything beyond that, that's not true. Even though I very much did, you know, decide on something, I decided development is my thing, I'm still flexible and I recognize how much that has been I think, integral to sort of me doing well, I suppose. Agreed. And how does that segue then into um, tip number three? Well, you kind of touched on it before, and it's actually a piece of advice that I would give myself if I could go back, although it still would have been pretty difficult. So I didn't have access to all the techie stuff when I was young, the stuff that you can have, everybody can get access to now, Photoshop, Premiere. When I was a teenager, I I didn't have access to that stuff. And um, I do think that the techier that you can get, that is going to be a massive, massive help. Because that is, I suppose, sort of, it's become standard now in the industry that everybody needs to be able to at least dabble in that stuff and produce something workable. So I think that if you can come in with a skill set that is quite broad, especially from a technical standpoint, that you can cut a little bit or you can edit audio a little bit or you know how to make uh, stuff in Photoshop or even like you're really good at PowerPoint or just any additional stuff is really, really valuable. I agree. Uh, what are we up to for? This I happens swear all the God, time. It's like you're not listening. <laughs> you like a format. It makes it's me like it makes me fear the people listening thinking, who is, have they just let her in? She gets as far as three and then she goes, where are we? Yeah, it's I'm so engrossed so <laughs> in Harry. I'm really she's, listening. She's said this before. So Harry, tip number four. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I really tried. I'm sorry. Number four, we talked about relationships earlier on. And I think not just with commissioners, but also, well, there's sort of three levels to this. The first one is relationships with the people around you. So we talked a little bit about that before, but even in the office, just in terms of, we talked about being a people pleaser and just, you know, making sure everybody knows who you are and you're useful. I mean, that's a huge one when you're starting out. And I think, you know, I know that that's not... uh, the easiest skill to sort of go okay well this is exactly how you do that but I do think you know we've talked about loads of times like even just making sure you're like making people cups of tea so that you get into a conversation with them and then that's how we know Harry at all yeah exactly did he make me a cup of tea no but Harry worked in a production company where you and I worked and he didn't work for us or with us he was very chatty but he was very super friendly. Yeah, so that I think is really important. I think not just for development, but for, you know, production and all sorts of things. Relationships, again, but from the perspective of you need to get comfortable talking to strangers and you need to get comfortable picking up the phone. 
The second part of that being a big one, because I essentially have to pick up the phone and make a cold call to speak to this person who I might want access to or I want to talk to about an idea or who I think can help me in whatever way. I think that is absolutely integral to probably most roles in TV. We agree. Tip number five. So tip number five, this is kind of even slightly harder one to explain, but I think you will both know exactly what I mean. I think you come out of school and in whether you've done further education or not, I think academia in general at all levels, it sort of values a way of speaking and thinking that is like, you know, you've got to be as verbose as possible. You've got to show how much work you've done by just making it really long winded and really well. OK, I'll stop myself there as an example. Stop talking there because I said what I needed to say. Um, and the current and that doesn't really have much currency in TV. And I think you would think it does before you get into TV because you think, oh, you know, especially if you're a creative, you're like, oh, I need to be able to like wax lyrical, like really, really flowery and really in depth about these things. And I don't think that's true. I think you need to know as much as you possibly can about stuff so you can say it as succinctly as humanly possible. And I think that's probably something that I had to learn and probably everyone like me is still learning. It's like if this industry runs on ideas and people are getting pitched ideas every day, all day. Get to the point. Get to the point. If I can say it in as few sentences as possible. You just said tip number five. Get, get to, to the, the point. point. <laughs> well, what I did was very meta. I made my answer an example of what not to do. Uh, but it was, a, it was Harry, super clever. He is super clever and it's a very valid point. Harry, thank you. That was super informative. Harry needs to get back to work. Start. You yes, know. we've given him a full 30 minutes <laughs> of chitty chatting with us back to the desk. Oh, no, that was great. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks for having me. So that's it for this episode of Is TV For Me? We'd love you to join us again. And there's lots more info on our website or check us out on Instagram. And do listen out for more from us wherever you get your podcasts.